This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast. I am out of town next week and I'm taking the week off, so new episodes will resume on August 10th. I hope you have a great week. Today, I am interviewing Taylor Moore about Downrange. Taylor is a sixth-generation Texan who grew up on a farm and ranch northwest of Houston. He is a former CIA intelligence officer who worked in both analysis and operations. He later consulted for the Department of Defense in theater security cooperation, force protection, and counter-narcotics. He now lives in the Texas Panhandle with his wife and two children, where he is an author, screenwriter, and speaker. Downrange is a page-turner and is one of my August Buzz Reads top five picks. I hope you enjoy our conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Taylor. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Cindy. I'm so excited to have you on, and I'm particularly excited because you are a fellow Texan, and I always love talking to Texans. Absolutely. Me too. Well, why don't we start out with you talking a little bit about Downrange. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so Downrange, the book starts out actually in Afghanistan uh, with my protagonist, Garrett Cole, who is a DEA special agent working undercover, and uh, ends up uh, through a strange sort of set of events, ends up back uh, at his home in Texas, at his ranch home in Texas, up in the Texas panhandle. And uh, uh, he's, it's a place he's avoided for a while. He's had some family conflict going on. And so he's just, he's the type that just, uh, he's kind of a loner anyway. So he, he sort of makes himself scarce for a while, but knows he needs to get back home and sort of mend fences, so to speak, with his family and ends up bringing along a young Afghan boy with him. <laughs> Uh, that he is protective. He ends up on a protective custody assignment with his kid. Anyhow, he ends up back at his ranch in Texas trying to sort of get his own life back in order while dealing with this young kid that he knows really nothing about or how to deal with because he's sort of a tough, grizzled, hard-nosed DEA undercover narcotics guy. Uh, so that has its own sort of fun parts to it. But, uh, but as he gets there, he finds out the family is in trouble a whole different, he leaves a sort of one war zone and ends up in another back in Texas. And so it's about him sort of investigating what's going on with his family, what's happening in the community, 
what is putting everyone in danger and getting to the bottom of it. And uh, I, I don't want to give away too much. That's kind of how the book starts out, but it gets pretty crazy from there. It does get pretty crazy. That's one of the things I want to talk about without any spoilers a little bit later is the ending and drafting all of that. But before we get to that, I would love to know your inspiration for Garrett Cole. And every time I hear the name Garrett Cole, it makes me think of the Astros pitcher who now plays for the Yankees. I'm like, oh, Garrett Cole, who I used to be a huge fan of, but I can't really support him now because he plays for the Yankees. Yeah. So so the Garrett Cole is kind of funny. Somebody sent me a text, the other, a news story the other day and said, hey, have you seen this baseball player named Garrett Cole? And it's completely spelled different. But I said, no, but maybe he can do some uh, social media for me or something. He's a big player. So, big, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that would be fun. But no, I have heard about that. So the so Garrett was is, is kind of an interesting character, and honestly, this this is kind of a sort of one of those interesting side stories. He was just a side character in another novel series that I was writing, and he was just sort of a secondary character. and And this is when I had my agent John Talbot, and still do, but but John uh, is the one you know as he's reading through this this series that I'm working on. He goes, I think that's your guy. I think that's your. Uh, protagonist right there. And and I was uh, originally had this guy, of course, you know, my background is CIA. And so I was writing more of a traditional CIA spy thriller with, uh, of course, a CIA guy that I, I guess not necessarily based on me, but sort of more of my experiences, what I saw when I was at the agency. So Garrett Cole was a, a secondary character in another book series. The funny thing about him, I always kind of was waiting for someone to say that. And, and I had a couple, and, and John said it, and I had a, a couple of friends that were beta readers that were kind of like, He's a pretty interesting guy. You should have him, you know, in it more. And so, uh, so really, you know, in, in terms of inspiration, yeah, I mean, I guess it was other people, other readers were really inspired by, by him and what he was doing. And so that's how that series was born out of uh, really taking uh, what I was doing in, in terms of writing and just going in a different direction. So what was funny was, was and I, th- I think this actually helped me a lot because when I was writing the CIA character, of course, everything had to be like I am, I've remembered that it was. And that kind of hinders you as a writer. On the one hand, it helps because you've seen things that makes it more vivid. But on the other hand, it sort of stifles your creativity. With Garrett, I mean, you've seen this guy. He's like this kind of Wild West cowboy, undercover narcotics guy, tattoos, long hair, big, thick beard. That just wasn't me. You know, I grew up on a ranch and I, I knew how to ride and, and, and do all and shoot and do all those things like you do when you grow up on a ranch. So we had the, those similarities, but I, I was never quite as wild and woolly as, as Garrett is, you know, and, and didn't have that sort of that same DEA undercover narcotics background like those guys do. So really, there was sort of an inspiration to write someone completely different than who I am. And, uh, and that's kind of how he came about. And then his background was, was the same. You know, I was living, you know, when I'm, I got out of the intelligence world, I moved up to the Texas Panhandle while I was working in oil and gas. And so I was what they call a landman, and I was a surface landman. So I was the guy that would go up on uh, to all these big ranches and, and make the deals with the landowners. And so I spent most of my time, you know, riding around in my truck, you know, going out and meeting with these people, being out on these big ranches. So I met a lot of Garrett Cole type characters just, in, you know, in doing this job. And so he was really, uh, both he and Butch were inspired by people that I actually met. And, uh, and people always ask, well, like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Cause everybody, you know, now that I'm, <laughs> you know, living up here, people sort of have their, uh, guesses as to who someone is. And, and I always say, 
really each character is like five or six different people. You know, some, some of them are me, you know, because I'm writing them and, and just they're, they're getting my thoughts. But his dad, Butch, he's been kind of a, he's been a, a reader favorite so far. Everybody loves Butch and wants to know more about Butch. And, uh, and so the dad, uh, he, he was based on one guy kind of in particular that I met along the way that was real kind of a hard nosed, grizzled old, uh, rancher that just, lived out by himself on a big ranch up there in the Texas Panhandle. Um, but he, but he's a combination of a bunch of guys. And so uh, their story of kind of how they interact, they, they don't always get along. They, they've kind of got this love-hate relationship. They, they love each other and they're very devoted, but they butt heads a lot. And you see that in the book and it plays out really in more of a comical sort of way. And, and people have tend to love that dynamic that I built between those guys. I agree completely. I love Butch. And I loved his progression in the story and the role he plays in the story. And I also love their relationship. So that's why I was just sort of curious. And I think Garrett's a fabulous protagonist. So I'm glad that somebody steered you that way. I am too. When it's all said and done, I am too. And, uh, and it's just one of those things that, you know, I mean, again, going back to my agent, the conversation we had, I mean, no writer ever wants to hear, hey, why don't you trash this series you've been working on and start an entirely new one? But he was right. So I got to give uh, John credit for that. He, he saw something in Garrett. And again, I think I did too. And, and other people had mentioned it. But there's something, I don't know, it, it's hard to just start from scratch and, and do something. But it was definitely the right call. It was it was absolutely the right call. And um, and sometimes there's just a magic in those characters. And, and, and it was kind of a funny deal. Whenever John asked me to do this, I think it was like maybe at two o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. And and so I kind of joked with John, I was like, you know, and again, no writer ever wants to hear, why don't we just start from scratch? Although a lot of writers have done that. A lot of famous writers that, that you know of have done that. And, and it's been the, the right call for them too. And so I kind of joked with John, I was like, well, let me go get my bottle of scotch here and we'll mull this over, you know, and, and John laughed. I was like, yeah, go get your scotch, do what you got to do, just get to work. And, <laughs> and so I probably didn't do anything that afternoon, but I woke up, I think at three or four in the morning. Uh, the next day, because I couldn't sleep, I was like, can I do this? And uh, the first chapter that I just sat down and said, can I write this was the one where Garrett comes home for the, the first time. And it's a lot of people's favorite chapters. It's one of my favorite chapters. And it just came out so naturally, like, this is what I was always meant to do. These are the voices that I always wanted to have and the story I wanted to tell. People always ask me about how do you write a book? You know, and how do you do this? And I always say, I don't really know. There's just something organic about it. You just sit down at that blinking cursor. I'm, I'm not a you know a real artsy kind of person, but there is a magic. Uh, I, I will admit that there is a magic to that writing process. And and sometimes it happens at four o'clock in the morning when you're just sort of desperate and and think, what are these guys going to do? And it just it just came out so naturally when I started writing it. And I don't know. Hey, um, I'm glad. I'm glad we make that made that call of, to move in this direction. I think it was definitely the right thing to do. Well, it certainly seems like it. What about whether Garrett speaks to you? A lot of times, authors talk about that their characters actually speak to them, or that they kind of inhabit their mind, and you know they're always there. And you're thinking, I wonder what Garrett's doing now. Does that happen to you at all? Not really. Yeah, I've heard other people say that too. Yeah, that's not really the process for me. Again, yeah, people ask me this and I wish I had a better answer. It just like, as I say, it just sort of comes out. I just sit there and, and, and it's a funny kind of writer thing to do. And we all laugh about it because, and I remember asking one of my uh, mentors who writes uh, 
Scottish time travel romance of all things, Bethany Claire. And, and, and I, and I would say like, well, aren't, you know, aren't you kind of nervous about the next book or whatever? And she's like, yeah, I probably should be, but it always just seems to happen. And, uh, and so it's like the worst answer ever, but it's so true. And, and, and that happens with me. I'll get to a, a part in the book and I don't know. I just assume I'll figure it out whenever the time comes and I always do. So no, they don't really speak to me. It's just, I have to put them in these situations and see what they're going to say. You know, I, I'll say like, here's Garrett and his dad here, here, this next thing needs to happen. I'll, I'm going to sit them down at the dinner table and see how they work this out and they just work it out. So it's a, it's a strange process, but, but for me, that's how it works. I love that though. It sounds like it's very natural and organic for you and it, it obviously works. You know, and I guess too, you know, you mentioned the inspiration and, and I've, I've met so many people along the way that inspire these characters that in my mind, I kind of know, I can sort of play out these conversations. I know if I were to say something, what that other person would say in response, you know, because you've had so many of those experiences. You know, I say I'm not like Garrett. I mean, maybe I am. Uh, even one of my, my agent one time when he read something I particularly seen, he's like, oh, man, I could just hear your voice and everything Garrett was saying. And I thought, man, that's strange. I don't feel like that's me, but maybe to other people it is. And maybe maybe that's why I don't think it is, because it is me. I don't know. Does that make sense? Or is that even? And no, it totally makes sense. I think sometimes people don't realize how much is coming out in their books that are representative of them or characteristics they share, or like you said, things that they might say. I think one of the things that's so appealing about Garrett is that he is so down to earth and he is not like a James Bond type character where he's sort of this kind of, you know, not automaton, but this sort of larger than life person. He's just a regular old guy mm-hmm. who's you know, doing his job and he, he's existing in a regular world. And I think for some reason, for me, that just really stood out. And probably because you've lived in Texas for a long time, you live in that area now, you're really able to bring it to life. But I just felt his character and the way he was acting was much more natural than most thrillers when, you know, this type of thriller. Yeah. And, that, and I wanted that. I, I really wanted that. And that's reality, you know, um, because, you know, I was in the CIA and, I, and, and of course, you know, all these guys who were, you know, former SEALs, Green Berets, you name it. And nobody's over the top and nobody's really like James Bond. I love James Bond. James Bond is fun, but nobody's that, that cool and nobody right. ever gets, gets it right every time. It's nice to have like a kind of a more every man, like a, a regular person's going to be. And, and, that, and that's who those guys are. If you look at, you know, people in the special operations community or even people that are doing the kind of work Garrett does overseas or, or whatever, they're just normal people that grew up around here and just happened to you know, get in this line of work. Now they are exceptional because not everybody can meet those qualifications physically and, and even mentally in some cases, but, but they are normal people with just with normal lives and, you know, and, and they have their faults and they have their dreams and wishes and sadness and, and baggage in their life and all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to make him real because those people are real. Well, I think you did that very well. So what about writing the ending? Obviously, we're not going to talk about what happens in the ending, but it's a long, exciting kind of thrill ride there. How hard was that compared to writing the rest of the book? It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. <laughs> I would bet so. I was like, I bet this is really hard to write. It's very hard to write. And I swore I'd never do it again, and I did. I, I'm, I'm about to finish book two. I'm, I'm editing book two, and I'm about to send it to my editor. And I did the exact same thing. I, I just jumped into this action, and it's so it's fun. 
it, it's always like this when I'm writing a book and I'm creating all these problems and doing all these things that are so much fun. And I'm just sitting there and my fingers are typing away. And then I get to the end and I'm like, how do I, how do I wrap all this up? <laughs> you know, I've created all these problems and I've started all these fires. Now, now how do I fix it? You know? And, and so that's when the work begins and the, and the action. Yeah. There's a lot of action. It's a lot of fun. I think, I think it's hopefully original, uh, some of the, the stuff not to get, give it, give it away, but yeah, it's very hard to, to do and very hard to get right. You know, all the helicopter stuff and everything I had to, I mean, I sat there for like hours on YouTube watching how to fly <laughs> helicopter videos, you know, just to try to get it right. And, and so the horseback stuff, fortunately, you know, I grew up on a ranch, so I, I, I know horses fairly well, not as well as a lot of people. So I, I would reach out to people that I know that could help me with some of that stuff. But I, but I knew the feeling. I knew about riding. I knew, I knew how it feels to just be barreling down on, you know, in a, on the open range and just booking it. And, and, I, and I grew up shooting and all that. So the gun parts, all that stuff, like, and, and I've, I've done shooting out of a helicopter. So there's things that I've done myself that, that I had that feel, but for the real, real uh, expertise, I went to the experts and they were able to help. And so I, I hope it, um, as you read it, people have, have seemed to enjoy it. So I hope you enjoyed it. And, and, it, and it felt like you were there and in that, ex- in that experience and in that moment. It most definitely did. I thought you did a wonderful job. I was on the edge of my seat, thumbing through the pages as quick as I could to see what was going to happen next. So I thought you did a great job. And then to get to the end and do exactly what you're saying, kind of wrap up enough for this book, but knowing that there will be a next book, you know, leaving enough open, kind of that balance between not having people say, oh my gosh, you left everything hanging but not having every single thing wrapped up also. Yeah, and that's that's important because, yeah, I've heard people read books and especially lately they'll say like, man, that was a jip. You know, you get to the end and it's like this cliffhanger. Now you got to go buy the next book. So I, I feel like I, I left a cliffhanger there, but I sort of wrapped up sort of like a lot of the immediate stuff. Again, with, with not without giving anything away here, but, but I wanted it to be satisfying. I wanted a reader to get to the end and feel drained and exhausted, but exhilarated and excited and, and want to see now what, now what happens, you know? And, um, and so I, I, I mean, I, and, and, and thanks for, for telling me that, that, uh, and that was one thing I really wanted, obviously it's a thriller. So I want, I wanted it to be a page turner naturally. And, and I've had a few people tell me, uh, you know, I spent a few more nights, uh, later nights than I intended trying to like get to the next thing. And I sort of strategically don't let you ever get to resolution until you get to the end of the book. So, so it's by design, but, but, but those books are fun. That's when like everybody loves a book and you're like, I'll just do one more chapter. Well, just one more chapter, you know? And, and, uh, and so that's what I wanted and good pacing and, 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 you know, there's multiple points of view going on. So everybody's got their own dilemma that's playing out in a different way. And I just wanted it to be fun. I just wanted it to be exciting and enjoyable. Absolutely. And I thought you balanced that very well. Because there are times when you get to the end and then you're like, well, I don't even understand, you know, how it ended or it didn't really end. And that's frustrating. But I think wrapping up enough of the storylines that, that, you know, some of the issues are resolved and then looking ahead, knowing there are going to be other things that will have to happen, but having a good feeling about how that's going to go. Yeah. I kind of felt like in the, in the book, again, it, it's, I mean, there's some darkness to it. You know, there's some things that, are, that happen that are dark subject matter. But I wanted, you know, especially, of course, at the era when I was writing this and, you know, 2020 and all that. I mean, it's like there's enough like bad news without heaping more on the people. I felt like people needed a, a good story 
a, a story where the good guy, you know, comes out on top and, and good things happen and, and good things happen to good people and, and that there is a resolution and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Again, without wrapping up everything totally, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to let them completely off the hook, but you know, <laughs> there, there needed to be some, some resolution, I thought. I agree. Well, Taylor, can you talk a little bit about the next one, the one you're getting ready to turn in? Yeah. So the next one's going to be fun. So obviously I'll try to do this as sort of cryptically as I can uh, so as not to give anything away. But uh, but obviously, you know, uh, we leave the book with a lot hanging for Garrett. Things aren't working out as smoothly as you might think they would be given the way things ended. There's some things going on behind the scenes. Even people maybe Garrett trusted that that aren't fulfilling their end of the bargain. Uh, maybe not because of their fault, but there's always the puppet masters out there, right? You know, there's always these people with their own motivations and they're playing their own game. And unfortunately, Garrett and, and Asadi are getting caught up in that. I, I, I swear it's just like uh, out of the frying pan and into the oven, just as soon as they get rid of those bad guys, there's some even worse guys that he ends up encountering. And, uh, and it's still, the book starts off in another place, uh, ends up back in, in Texas. But yeah, basically Garrett ends up uh, in, in, a, in a fight for his life, in a fight for Asadi. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be exciting. I have the same, I feel like if you liked uh, Downrange, you're going to love this one because it's, it's got a lot of the same elements to it, but we just get deeper in their story. So all the characters that you know people loved and were telling me that they loved along the way, I dove further into their stories. And, and so I get into multiple, you know, more points of view and you get into their lives and, and see what's going on. And it's things that you didn't know were going on, F- feelings that people have you had no idea about. And so, again, it, it sort of takes what I did in the first one where it's not just a thrill ride, not just a thriller, uh, not just a mystery as to what's going on. But it's getting further into these people's lives and, and just sort of realistically how people are, you know, again, like I said, the, the hopes and the dreams and the sadness and all these things that people are dealing with uh it just gets further into that and so i I think for fans of downrange they're gonna love the next one well what about what you've read recently that you really liked uh for me you know so while i'm writing i I read a lot of nonfiction um because i'm usually trying to do research for the story to try to make it more realistic so read some good um if i can just give a few here Sure. Right now I'm reading The Worst Hard Time. Um, Timothy Egan is the uh, name of the author, and it's all about the, the Dust Bowl, um, that period uh, that, that goes kind of from the, the, the Texas High Plains on up through Kansas and that area. But it's a phenomenal book. So I'm doing research. You know, it kind of gives me a lot of background on because on, you, you probably remember in Downrange, I kind of give a little bit of history, you know, along with, you know, the, the area and all that. I try to give people a little background and context for how these people became the way they are. and, and so. So that's been a good one. I uh, finally read Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. I'd seen the movie. Um, man, what a phenomenal book. And, uh, and I got interested in that because of uh, a podcast where Marcus had mentioned that the, the movie just kind of starts the story. And he said in the book, it's really the story gets interesting after, after that takes place. And so I read it and it's absolutely fascinating. So Lone Survivor, it's been out a while, but I mean, I, I, it was like reading a thriller. I could not put it down. Uh, in terms of uh, of thrillers, I'm a big Don Bentley fan. I uh, love Don Bentley. Uh, Without Sanction is one of the better thrillers that I've read recently. Uh, and then I bought The Outside Man, uh, which is the second in his Matt Drake series. And I told 
I told Don, I said, I'm, I'm saving the outside man as a, as a uh, reward for when I turn, turn in book two to my publisher, <laughs> then I'm going to like put down the nonfiction. I'm just going to sit there and enjoy a book. And so uh, without sanction, I highly recommend, again, that's part of the Matt Drake series and then out, outside man is a second one. So it's sitting on my desk right now, waiting for me to just get this uh, book two off my, off my plate and then just relax a little bit. It'll be your reward. That is, that'll be my reward. I'm ready just to not think for a little while. <laughs> just let, let the other writers think and enjoy their, their stories a bit. Exactly. I hear such great things about him and his books. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me in the Thoughts from a Page podcast today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Enjoy talking to you. Thanks for having me on. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please consider joining my Patreon as a page turner. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations from a Page bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Maggie Garza for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you'll tune in next time. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.